Welcome to the Captain Sandy and Leah Ray Show. I am so happy to have my sister Michelle on, aka Yay. Sissy, to me, <laughs> and uh, she's my hero. She is a badass, and she founded a school uh, for the need for her son Nicholas, and had a really big job in a pharmaceutical company. But I want her to share with you her story and also statistics with children with autism and what's happening in our country. Well, first of all, thank you. Pam yeah, and you're Sandy. my sissy too, by the way. That's right. <laughs> Pam, Sandy, and Leah, my sisters. So I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so proud of you both for sharing your lives stories on the podcast and being an inspiration to so many people. You're definitely inspiring me as well as others that are out there. So I appreciate thank you. what you're doing. But to talk about my story, obviously, that you guys are very familiar with, you know, truly... Mine is one of kind of an impact, like a, a real serious impact that happened in my life back in 2000 when Nicholas was diagnosed with autism. And back then, autism was like one in 250 individuals. So it was very different than where we are today, where the CDC just released one in 36 individuals are diagnosed with autism. So it's one really in 36. One in 36. Wow. Boys and girls. Yes. Wow. Boys are four times more likely to be diagnosed with autism. And you'll notice that anytime you go through any program that services individuals with autism. But it's also been like a 317% increase since 2000. So if you think back to when Nick was diagnosed, not a lot of people knew what autism was, right? So if I said my son had autism, believe it or not, a lot of people would say, wow, that's great. He's so artistic. Oh, instead of autistic instead of autism but it wasn't that he was you know sure he he had a little bit of art skills going on but it wasn't anything like being artistic it was autistic but no one knew what that was you know it was something that for most people they had never met an individual who had been diagnosed with autism so my journey began with that life impact and yes like sandy said i was in corporate america working in fortune 500 had a background in finance and then God chose a very different path for me. And that's that impact that happened, right? Kind of like what happens in our lives, those defining moments. That was a defining moment in my life when my son was diagnosed with autism. And, you know, I had to make a really hard life decision with my husband, Mark, and decide that, you know, we were going to do what we had to do for our son. You know, we could either feel very Sorry for ourselves and our son. And a lot of times when you do get a diagnosis, whether it's autism or any kind of diagnosis for your child, it truly is almost like a mourning that you go through. And that child's life that you thought you were going to have is gone in an instant. And so, you know, you mourn for that. But thank goodness I have a very strong Southern mother, as you all know. And uh, she's like, okay, enough. Let's get up and get going, right? And, um, so that's what I chose to do. Take that defining moment and decide that I was going to impact my son's life in the best way that I could. My first goal, however, or I guess my first action that I had to do, is I actually had to accept autism. And I had to accept him being on the spectrum. And I know that sounds a little crazy, like all the different things that you have to do when you have an individual or a child that gets diagnosed. But really, acceptance Whatever your life situation is, is so important. You have to accept, this is where I am in life. I'm going to do whatever I can to move that needle forward, right? So 
I decided to do everything I could for my son, both from biomedical standpoint, because individuals with autism have lots and lots of medical needs. Um, but I also wanted to focus on his educational needs. So that's what really was the background of why I started Jackson's for Autism was for him when he was seven years old. So fast forward, 20 years has gone by already. So obviously Jackson's School for Autism has grown as Nicholas has grown and other students here. So it's been um, truly a blessing for me and my family that we've been able to devote our lives to building Jackson School for Autism so that Nicholas would have just this amazing support network with these just beautiful people who choose. And I mean, they choose to be in his life. They choose to be in all the other students' lives. Uh, the professionals that work at Jackson School for Autism are truly committed to making an impact, and they do that each and every day. So we're very blessed to have the best of the best people who are committed to individuals on the spectrum. Michelle, you left a career because you saw a need. How hard was that to transition, and how did you do that? Like, what gave you the courage to walk through the fear to be able to say, hey, I need to start a school. I need to leave my career. Well, it's interesting you use the word fear because really fear was my driving force. So I think sometimes when people go through really hard things in life, that is a motivator, right? Fear is a, is a good motivator. And it was for me. Truly, I had a fear for Nicholas and what his future would hold. And at the time, like I said, we didn't have a lot of options for support because autism, remember, wasn't as prevalent as it is now. So I really had to seek out and find individuals who were being diagnosed at the same time so that I could say, what are you doing here? What are you doing there? When I was working full time, the first thing I had to do was make a hard life decision. And that was to step down from my really large position with J&J. And um, they were wonderful to me. They allowed me to go part time. And then as I guess awareness kind of set in, understanding more what our future was going to hold and what Nicholas's needs were, I knew that I was going to have to make a personal decision to put him first. And so that fear drove me, but also most importantly, hope. I was hopeful that I could make a change for him. So I kind of looked at Nicholas and his diagnosis as, you know, something I would work on in my corporate life. You know, here's an issue that I need to figure out all this information so that I can make the best decision for him. So I literally flew across the country, looked at a lot of different programs. I flew my son across the country, took him all kinds of doctors, you know, did whatever we could do to help him. And then I decided, you know what, I've been very blessed with J&J and I was actually um, nominated and they were preparing to put me into their women's leadership program where I was going to get ready to move abroad and, and go through a Wharton education program. And none of that really came to fruition because I had to make a quick turn. And um, I'll never regret a day of what I what my decision was to support my child. You'll never regret that, right? So um, I often tell people, I'm truly not the professional in this building at Jackson School for Autism. The professionals are the ones who work with the kids. And I'm just very blessed that um, God gave me a path and a purpose um, to be able to utilize the skills that I have from J&J &J to help build the program um, into a financially solvent um, program that we have today. But I didn't do it by myself. We have so many people who support Jackson School for Autism locally, very philanthropic, 
um, place that I live in in Jacksonville, Florida. A lot of great people here. And most importantly, we have a phenomenal and very dedicated board of directors that have helped us in our journey for sure. And the parents, um, the parents who have walked this journey with me, but also parents who just want to support us and everyone that they know. So it's a community and it's, it's like you say, the next, what's the next best thing, right? That you're going to do for someone. So the generosity of many people in our community is out there. There's so much positivity if you choose to see it and we, we feel it on a daily basis. How did you choose your team and teachers and what's the requirements to work in your school? From, from one student you started with, one family, right? Yep. To we, two, we started 60. Yeah, we started JSA with one other family. Mm-hmm. And um, we built it from there. But, you know, things have changed in, in the field. Um, we'll call it the field. Because there are different types of services and programs that you can utilize to support individuals with autism. So at JSA, we are a behavior-based school, so we use applied behavior analysis. So to your question, Leah, many of those individuals have to have a lot of credentialing, just like a nurse. You know, we have occupational therapists. There are outside speech therapists that support us. So it is a credentialing program, and those individuals go through either a bachelor's or master's degree, and then they go on to get um, certified. So we've been very lucky to attract the right people to JSA, and, um, you know, we've had individuals that probably have the most experience in Jacksonville and working with individuals with autism. So we're very lucky in that regard. We have a lot of tenure in our building. But the field of autism has exploded, as you can imagine. Not, not that that's a good thing, right? It's exploded because we have so many individuals to support. So a lot of the professionals that are out there are growing in this industry, but we don't have enough. I mean, there are so many long wait lists for services and JSA is no different. We have a wait list. A lot of people are trying to get into our program. We've had people that have moved as far away as India, California, Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina. I mean, you name it, people have moved down here to be a part of JSA. So it's, um, it's really incumbent upon us that we do provide the best services that we can for these families because they sacrifice a lot. Are there kids that that you have to turn down? Um, there, there are students that are not right for our program. So one of the things that I'll say in the last, I'll say about five years, we're seeing more kids who are not as severe as some of the students that we've seen 20 years ago. But yet there's more students who are being affected. So it's interesting, but some of their needs are a little bit different. So our program at Jackson School Broadcast is a very intensive model. So if we look at a student who wants to enroll here and we see that that student has an opportunity to be in another program that's less restricted, we don't want them to come to JSA. We're going to push those parents to look at other programs and we refer out all the time because we really want to help the student. You know, JSA is a not-for-profit We're not here just to enroll students. We're really here to enroll the students that we think we can help the most. So we're very protective over our program and the types of students that we do enroll because we want to make sure that we're not taking a spot for a student who desperately needs us, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that if a student doesn't need to be at JSA, we're helping mentor those families to go somewhere else 
that they can get support because a lot of times it's hard for our parents to leave us because we provide so much support to them. Um, it, it's always, we have to kind of encourage them like the little duckling, like you can do this, you can do this and help them to go to another program. So it is, it is hard. And, and as a parent, I know what that feels like, the concern over transitioning in right. huge. Yeah. What are the ages of your school? So our youngest student is two and a half and our oldest student is 33. Oh, wow. So we serve students, obviously, um, across the spectrum. And when I say that, I mean, those are individuals who um, may need the most support to individuals who need the least support. I don't like to really define autism by high or low or whether a student can speak or not, because truly that has no impact on their intellectual capability. We have students here who are completely nonverbal. However, they can communicate through typing. Um, they communicate through apps and they're, they can tell you anything that you want to hear. So I don't always say that's the one miscommunication. I think that um, people don't understand that just because you don't speak doesn't mean that you don't have something to say. And um, you have other wonderful apps and opportunities to help you speak. So I don't think Steve Jobs really knew that when he created, you know, the iPad, that it was going to give a voice to so many individuals with disabilities and unique abilities. So that's the other thing we like to really talk about the abilities within our program that each student has. So our program runs from early intervention, obviously all the way up to transition services where my son is today. So teaching those young adults how to become independent, how to learn job skills, how to get in the community and truly how to motivate themselves to find something that's sustainable for them. So that's really our push into the future is our transition program through our STEP model. One of the many things that I love about you <clears throat> is where you find, you see a need, you find a solution where you have ABA therapy. So you went and did a clinical side to JSA and yes. then you went and saw, wow, let's implement these kids back into society and do a vocational side. Can you speak mm -hmm. to that? Yeah. Well, it's like I used to say, you know, JSA has grown out of, um, you know, fear and hope for sure, but it's also grown out of the need of the individuals that we serve. So just as Nick has grown in stature over the years to six foot two, um, JSA has grown in a lot of programs and it's really, truly based on the needs of our current students. So as our students start to get older, we realize we need to start younger with them helping them to start those vocation skills because sometimes it can take many years to eat. So we're always looking at ways to find solutions to whatever needs that we have for the kids. And sometimes if we don't have a program, we're definitely going to create that. So, you know, you have to utilize what you have at your disposal, whether that is, you know, your facility, your staff, your intellectual capital, whatever you have at your disposal to create these amazing opportunities for the kids. And it's really all about consistency and remembering that they have a voice in all of this. So we don't want to just build something. We want to build whatever's going to motivate those individuals, especially the young adults. What's motivating for them, just like for you and I, we're going to do it better. We're going to do it with more, you know, a joyful spirit if it's something that we want to do for sure. So do you have support groups for parents? Because I have witness what you and Mark go through and it's exhausting. Um, no sleep. No sleep. Um, and what do you do to take care of yourself? But what, you know, the support for parents that are going through this. And the balance, like, because you don't sleep and then you yeah. go run a company and you, 
the parents have jobs. How do you yeah. manage that? Because I we witness it. And yeah, it it's definitely more difficult, I think, when it's you're not exposed to it. And, you know, for many of us who live, we call it kind of the um, we ride the wave of autism. Right. So we ride that when we're up high and the kids are doing great. And it's like, well, this is wonderful. And all of a sudden we go and we go down. And um, it, it is really a roller coaster for many of our families. And uh, we truly support each other through constant communication with each other. A lot of times I really promote and support families and connect them with other families that are going through the same thing that they're going through. And a lot of times it's just sharing those um, supports that they have in the community. But also, you know, there's a high incidence of divorce in any type of special needs family. And you can see easily how that could happen. There's a lot of stressors, right? There's stressors on people getting enough sleep. There's stressors on the financial side of having an individual that you have to take care of that now you have to pay for private tuition and different therapies. And I mean, it gets very expensive. So the best thing that families can do where we we just encourage them is to connect with one another, right? For me, that's been a huge blessing in my life over the years with autism is having those individuals that walk the same walk. It's not just coincidence that many of my close friends, guess what? They have a child with autism. And that's because I don't have to say a word. They know I can, they can look at something, they can hear something in my voice and they know, oh boy, something's going on. So we just support each other that way. But you know, there are some things that people can't do for you, right? So it is kind of getting through that to the next step and, and trying to help each other if you're married give each other lots of breaks so that you don't don't just fall through those cracks that you can resuscitate yourself and, and get up and do it again you know so sometimes you don't have a choice you have to power through it walk through it and for me it's all by the grace of God <laughs> by the grace of God for sure yeah and you and Mark have a great relationship where you both find that balance and you're able to help each other out like get and the you rest. know what we have a huge advocate in Nanny so right so mom is you know, mom plays a key role in our support system. I couldn't do what I do without her. You know, you know, she obviously does a lot in support of our family to help us for sure. She's a great cook. Yeah, yes. she's a good cook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I love how you as a mom fought for your child. You didn't give up and neither did, did Mark or anybody, you know, and you continue to do that because I've witnessed many parents just give up and walk out on their kid and you know, and it's not okay. And the love you have for Nick is beautiful. Um, and that love now is carrying through to so many other families and children. And Nick is like the most amazing, loving child. Um, yes. Big teddy bear. Yeah, because I wasn't familiar with with any of this until I met you guys. And it opened up a whole new perspective on all of it um, and a heart for it. And the truth is we're very blessed with Nick because he is that sweet disposition. Yes. You know, there's a lot of families that unfortunately don't live my life. And, you know, they're living through a lot harder circumstances with their children where their children can have severe self-injurious behavior or aggression. And, um, you know, some of our kids truly struggle, especially our older kids that, you know, have been affected in different ways with autism. And um, so we constantly want to look out and try to support them because it's it's tough on many days for them, especially as kids get through puberty. 
And, you know, I always tell the families here at JSA, you know, you're going to start and finish, but you're going to get through it. But boy, it's tough. I mean, think about typical kids. It's tough for typical right. kids to go through puberty. And you you put a child with an intellectual disability and it can be really rough. So, um, but I appreciate everything that you've said. You know, I'm very blessed with Nicholas and um, we have, we have some hard days, but we also have a lot of great days. I know you're really busy. Um, just share with people where they can find help. Talk uh, where they can find JSA or other. How do they seek that? And I'm sure you get this all the time. Is autism curable? You get that question? Not really. But I mean, I think most people, it is a neurological disorder, you know, and there really isn't a perfect cure for autism. But, you know, since I would say in my journey with Nick since 2000, there are so many therapies out there now to really help and interventions. And the one thing I always like to tell a family when you get a new diagnosis is early intervention is the key and don't be afraid of a diagnosis. You know, sometimes the best thing that you can do for your child is to get that diagnosis because it's going to open up a world of services and support. It doesn't mean that diagnosis has to follow the child, but early intervention is the key. And I can tell you right now, with one in 36 individuals being diagnosed with autism, you absolutely have to get that diagnosis to fight for your services. So like Leah said, you know, I have been a fighter. I have been a warrior mama, and I have a lot of warrior mamas who walk my same journey. And I can tell you the difference between our children and other children on the spectrum is we fought for our kids. We became our children's best advocate. So that's what I tell our families. No one's going to fight for your child like you will. You have to be the person to stand up every single day, get out there, and you start fighting for your child for services. You you seek out and find what's available in your community. If you're going to sit back and wait for someone to come and tell you, it's not going to happen. Because those warrior parents out there, mamas and daddies, they're beating down the doors every day for those services. So I really encourage families to educate themselves and utilize social media for the powerful, positive impact it can have. I didn't have that, right? Now at your fingertips, you can get on the web, you can get on Facebook, you can join groups. Get in those local groups in your community and find out who are the best service providers, the schools, ABA clinics, you know, the doctors, the dentists. Find out those places that you need to go as well as just communicating with other people, other families that are walking your journey. You find out so much information about therapeutic interventions and those types of things from connecting with other families. There's so much There's so much out there. You just have to connect. Tell us how to support JSA. So JSA is a really growing program. We always can use help. So if you're interested, we're looking right now for people who have the financial resources and have heart children and just want to make an impact. So for those individuals, we'd love to get a monthly donation. You can do that on our website. That's jsakids.org. You can find out more about our programs. And truly, more importantly, if there's someone who's listening to this podcast right now, just got a diagnosis, just needs help, call us. We're happy to help you. You might not know something about your particular area, but we can at least quickly get you routed to somebody that can help you. And we love to do that. That's That's been a blessing in my life to help other families. That's what but I love about you. I love you, that. Right? Yes. I want to hug you. Yes, yes, yes. 
Yes. And <laughs> one thing, Michelle, like what I've witnessed lastly is, you know, I look at moms and like you said, we fight for our kids. And and just because maybe we weren't able to do it, uh, you know, and it's not a yeah. failure, right? Like it's no. not a failure, not be hard on yourself no. knowing that you did all you could possibly do That's for right. your child. That's what That's like right. you, you've done and you continue to do all you can do. And yeah. it's okay to say, I'm not okay. And That's right. I need, I need help, you know? Yes. And, and there are, some, alone. there are, Leah, to your point, you asked the question earlier, there are support groups out there. And like, if I have a family that's really struggling, I'm going to encourage them, you know, I'm going to refer them out and say, get in a parent group that can give you therapy because there is nothing wrong with getting therapy and making sure that you're okay. Because just like, you know, when we're up in that airplane, they tell you to put the oxygen on yourself first. Exactly. That's for a reason, right? Right. Because if mama's not healthy or dad's not healthy, the whole ship's gone down. So, you know, you really have to take care of yourself and make sure that you can keep all those balls in the air. But it's, um, we have a lot of tremendous support in this community. And some of our families, they will all say that it was life-changing for them just to be heard, just to know that they're not alone just to know that what they're experiencing is, it's hard. It yes. is not easy. And it's okay to say that, right? Mm -hmm. Some right. days autism sucks. Mm -hmm. And some days we're like, we can see the beauty in it. And other days we see the joy in seeing that unique ability of those individuals who have worked so hard, achieved so much, even though in our society, it might be not considered successful. Um, but to those who walk that journey with those individuals, we know truly how remarkable it is. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I just love you so much. Time. I know. Wish love we you guys there. too. Okay. See you in a few days. No. Yes. A week. Yeah. 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 Very excited. Love you guys. Love you too. Thank you so much for joining the Captain Sandy and Leah Ray show. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, we would love your support. Just click on the link above and sign up. She's so good at that. You know, I try. Nothing's gonna hold me down. Letting go to rise above